During this pandemic for over six months, our cathedral staff has been hard at work. On the one hand, we've had less in-person gatherings, but on the other hand, we've been even harder at work because we've had to transfer all of our services, all of our programs, all of our prayer meetings, all of our committees even, to online platforms. And before this pandemic, we didn't do much of that. Outside of social media, we did not use Zoom and all this, these online platforms. And so we've, we've gotten all this work done. It's been hard and necessary and even holy work. It's been... Um, really difficult for me um, because I too, before the pandemic, didn't use all of those platforms. I'm not even on social media personally. So I have, and some of us on st staff have felt like a fish out of water or like a bird trying to learn how to swim. I also know that many of you have felt like that too in your own day jobs, at work. Um, you've had to shift over to online content. Perhaps with children or grandchildren, you're using screens all the time, online classes. If you're a grandparent who longs to see a grandchild and can't in this season, you're having to use a screen rather than hugs. All of us who are trying to go through this transformation, who weren't using it before, technology before in this way, really are learning how to swim when we have only flown before this. So God bless all of us. In the middle of summer, our bishop gave us permission to resume some in-person gatherings. We were able to resume outside, uh, with the bishop's permission, um, baptisms, marriages, and burials, or what Canon Katie describes as match, batch, and dispatch. We've been having those services outside. They've gone really well. This past two weeks ago, we had... Um, outdoor confirmations with Bishop Kim with 50 or less people on All Souls Walk. So things in terms of those sacraments have been getting back to normal, which feels great. But with all that being said, for six months, almost to the day until right now, for six months, we have not celebrated Holy Communion. Whether indoors, outdoors, in homes, hospitals, anywhere, we have not done it because we have not had the bishop's permission, and, and, and we've not had it, and neither has any church in the Episcopal Church in Colorado. Until now, Bishop Kim has released guidelines, and we have her blessing to resume in-person communion with a few rules and restraints for the sake of public health. So today, we are able to keep the feast. Here's how it will work. This service of Holy Eucharist after the Eucharistic prayer and the invitation to receive communion will, will include on your screen in your leaflets a prayer for spiritual communion. This is a prayer that the church has used for centuries, usually in hospital rooms, in, in, in private homes, in places where people were physically unable to receive because of great illness or fear of a virus. And the bishop and I and, and clergy of, of the cathedral believe this is a perfect prayer, an opportunity for us in the middle of this pandemic. This prayer will give you, who want to stay safe in the comforts of your own home, safe in front of your screen, the ability to receive spiritually, not physically, but spiritually, trusting that all the inward and spiritual benefits of this sacrament 
are deep in your heart, deep in your mind, deep in your own soul. Forgiveness of sins, for example. Union with Christ, union with other Episcopalians, Christians throughout the world and throughout time. And in the words of one prayer we say at burials, a foretaste of the heavenly banquet. For those who are comfortable, you can come up today, um, starting at noon and lasting however long it, it takes. You can come up and receive communion inside the cathedral, indoors. You'll come around the western wall of the cathedral, check in with the cathedral administrator the front at the front doors of the cathedral, and then come in. An organist will be playing. You have to be masked, socially distanced, but you can come forward and receive Holy Communion from a priest who knows and loves you and then linger for a few moments and say your prayers in this holy place. So today is a joyful day that we can resume communion and a day in which, if you are like me, you feel a variety of emotions as we return to this place and to the sacrament that we so dearly love. Matthew's story gospel story for today's service at first seems to have nothing whatsoever to do with communion. But after a closer reading, especially looking at the end of the story, it has everything to do with communion and community. But first, here's how it starts. Jesus is in the middle of um, a dispute, an argument in the temple with the chief priests and the elders of the temple. They're in this debate about authority, and they are questioning Jesus' authority. They're questioning Jesus' authority to heal people, which he had done in chapter 20. They're certainly questioning his authority to cleanse the temple that he's done earlier in this chapter, chapter 21, where Jesus cleansed the temple from the, the money changers and said that the temple, like all bodies of worship, houses of worship, should be places of prayer for all people, not places of, of exchange of money and of gifts. They are questioning him for that dramatic act and for others. So they debate this. Before we judge the tax collectors and the elders too harshly, it's vital to think about ourselves for a moment. It's vital to think about the way in which we too, just like those tax collectors and elders, sometimes find it hard to imagine God working beyond the periphery of what we can see or imagine. We too struggle with the concept that God is active well beyond what we can see, well beyond our own religious community, well beyond our own nation, well beyond our own political ideology, well beyond our own beliefs and what we hold most dear. We too struggle with that. We really struggle with it politically, especially in this election season. That word echo chamber is an incredible and frightening image for how so many of us talk with one another. We stay in communities of ideology and of like-mindedness so that we only hear, even in others' voices and beliefs and opinions and votes, an echo of our own voice, our own opinions and beliefs and votes. It's a very dangerous reality not to be able to imagine God or truth or goodness or beauty beyond the truth and beauty and goodness that we know and hold dear. So this debate 
with Jesus is in part about that. And Jesus here completely disagrees with anyone who can't see God working well beyond themselves and says to the chief priests and elders something rather dramatic that I'm certain infuriates them. And it's this, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you are. Tax collectors entering into the kingdom stand for people entering heaven who work for a foreign government government and take collect taxes. They were people who among the Jews were, were not respected and in some cases were hated for, for good reasons actually. And prostitutes are people who just use your imagination on that one. And what these people represent is that God is involved beyond us, within us and well beyond us. Howard Thurman, <clears throat> Howard Thurman was the dean of the chapel at Boston University in the 20th century, a writer, a mystic, and someone beloved by Dr. Martin Luther King who kept one of Thurman's books in his coat pocket. Thurman once said about communion or community this, community cannot for long feed on itself. Community can only flourish with the coming of others from beyond. They're unknown and undiscovered siblings. On this day, with heartfelt prayers, we receive communion. But above all, let us strive to, in the words of our Bishop Kim Lucas, also achieve communion. We live in a world and in a church of dramatic differences of all kinds. And the communion that we are given this day in Christ is not just between each of us in Christ. It's also the gift of community with others. With others who, in the words of Thurman, come from beyond. Our unknown and undiscovered siblings. And what this meal has the, the, the power to teach us, sometimes dramatically in a moment, and more often than not, in subtle ways achieved over a lifetime of receiving is this, across incredible differences of all kinds, what unites us is hunger. Just below the surface of all of our differences, just below the surface of all of our skin is hunger, physical hunger, spiritual hunger, and it's that hunger that takes us right to the table of Christ and ultimately surprises us by others who as hungry as we are and join us in that very meal. Therefore, let us keep the feast.